Stank's Bait Company has been hand-pouring and injecting soft plastic baits since 2009. Each bait is hand-poured with you in mind, and each bait is injected with fish-catching juice. They've got over 20 baits to choose from. And Stank's Bait gives you unparalleled custom colors, and they'll match the hatch of your local lake forage. Plus, they feature soft plastic custom airbrushing, and now they offer their services to you and your soft baits. So pretty, you'll want to frame it. But don't, because the fish aren't going to see it on your wall, and they're not going to smell it until you get it in the water. You can find them online at stanksbaitco.com or at Tackle Warehouse, Fisherman's Central, Sportsman's Direct, and DNR Sports. Stanks Baits. Get them. The swim jig technique is one of the most successful ways to put fish in the boat. Time in and time out, Bravani Bait swim jigs are just the right tool for the job. Beaming with quality, the Bravani swim jigs come in a myriad of colors, feature the best premium hooks and solid trailer keepers to give you, the serious bass angler, the confidence you need to accomplish your goal of putting more fish in the boat. So go to BravaniBaits.com and start climbing the ladder to swim jig success. PH Custom Lures by Phil Hunt are quickly becoming the most sought-after custom balsa baits in the industry, from the Little Hunter to the Squeaky Pea. These baits are pure quality, handcrafted, hand-carved, and hand-painted. But most importantly, they flat-out catch fish. PH Custom Lures has a bait for any situation in a magnitude of colors. Check out the Old School, Straighter, and PH Custom Series at phcustomlures.com. That's phcustomlures.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Stray Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television. Uh, I am your host, Pat Renwick. This is uh, JP Hi. Hey. Co-piloting for Ryan Popcorn Whitaker tonight. And uh, we're pretty happy to bring you uh, from, uh, from West Wisconsin right now. He's, uh, he's getting ready for the big lacrosse event. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, FLW Tour Pro, Scott Canterbury. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Give me an internet high five. Got a five. big crowd on the side. Internet high five. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we do it. That's how we do it here. Hey, uh, what, what's going on? Dude, you're ready for a big derby, right? I mean, you got water going like this and, and all. <laughs> what the it's heck? Been on, it's been falling for a couple of days, but it's coming up now. We've had some rain today and getting more right now. It's com- It's going to be on the rise for sure. It, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy. Now, the most seems like seems like we've gotten used to it this year with FLW. The last tournament it came up fourteen feet in eight days, so we're sort of getting used to that. That is nuts. That that is nuts. Hey, uh, most important question of the night. I'm going to kick it off right here. Um, have you ever taken off uh, and tried to get on plane with your power poles down? I have but several times, <laughs> not on purpose. Either. Maybe once on purpose, but I've done it a couple of times without without it being on purpose. And then, what do you think in your head when you do that? Like, what what is Scott Canterbury thinking? Like, what, what's you that? know? I mean, I've done it on purpose, just testing them out. Those power poles are amazing. You know, they're so strong and durable. It shows they've got videos of airboats going across land with them down, and then they raise right back up and go back down. But you know, I've done it. On accident, with them halfway down or something, you can't get out, can't get on plane, and or it takes you forever to get on plane. It doesn't take long to figure out what the problem is. That's for sure. You're you're like, what's wrong? (laughs) That's right. That's right. The poles are down. Yeah. Knucklehead. Yeah, it doesn't take long to figure that out. That's for sure. (laughs) How you feeling about this lacrosse derby? You know, I mean, I'm excited about it. Uh, Optimistic, I guess, a little bit. I've caught some. There's a ton of fish in the river for sure. But catching, you know, those three pounders has been really hard on me this week. I haven't caught many three pounders. I've only 
actually only caught one or two three pounders all week of practice so but i know uh you know all it takes is one or two good bites and that'll propel you way up here you're only looking for i mean i i'm thinking you know that 14 to 16 14 or 15 pounds a day is gonna be really really strong uh 16 pounds a day i think may win the whole tournament but i may miss it too you know it may take 17 or 18 but if i had 16 a day i would be super stoked for sure nice hey have you guys been there before is has flw the tour has never been here i fished a costa event a northern costa or central costa that came up here a few years back i i made a trip my dad went with me we made a trip like around the country i went and fished the u.s open at lake mead wow drove for two and a half days to lake mead and then left there and drove straight up here for this event so i i did i made a big long trip for three weeks and uh we had a good time did you catch them then i did i think i finished 13th in the u.s open first time only time i'd ever fished it and finished 12th up here at lacrosse but it was in the fall it was a little bit different i love fishing in the fall gotcha gotcha you're you're a shallow water guy right is that is that a correct statement to make uh that's how i grew up fishing yeah i mean i'd I love fishing deep now. I mean, I was sort of got addicted to it six years ago, and I've probably spent more time the last three or four years, maybe four years out deep than I did shallow. But my roots, get back to my roots, I mean, it's shallow. I mean, that's where I need to go. I can go out and practice for a tournament for two two and a half days out deep and spend the whole tournament shallow if I don't find something. So, yes, I, that, I feel more comfortable shallow. I'm very... Uh, you know, that's that's what I grew up doing and just feel comfortable with a flipping stick in my hand and some heavy line. There, uh, yeah, me, I'm with you, dude. And our first guest, Craig Hackney, he's certainly that way. Yes, sir. Hackney, is he's one of the best in the world at everything, but he's super, super impressive when they get, it gets on that shallow bite, especially if he gets on a jig bite or a frog bite, something like that. He can, He's going to be right there to win the tournament every time. I mean, he's a... He's a stick out there, that's for sure. He just told us his goal in life is to stick a great white shark on a flip stick. <laughs> that would be a good guy. I mean, that's hey, he sets his goals high. Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, let's go deep water again. Let's get back now. I, I've, I've always said, set your goals high. If you achieve them, you didn't set them high enough. So <laughs> set your goals high and work for them. Uh, you know, I try to tell young guys, college and high school fishermen, you know, whatever they have passion for, chase after it. Don't worry about the money. If you have passion and you work hard, the money will come. Money grows on trees. No, it doesn't grow on trees. Oh. That's for sure. It's it's hard to get it, but they, you know, these if guys you have lied a lot of passion me. for whatever you do, you can make money. <laughs> hey, let's uh, speaking of making money, you you made a few bucks in your day here. Um, you're you're uh, one point two million, I think, is where you're at when I looked at your stats, and you won some money at an event fishing deep and that's why i kind of started to ask you about the deep water deal and you were if i remember right man you were fishing a pretty unique rig and it was kind of like a double drop shot rig <laughs> right yeah. well, am i am i think am i remembering this correct that's right yeah that was a uh, the forestwood cup i finished second twice in that event what one time heck? i did that on a double drop shot sure did and tell me about that double drop shot before we get into these second places you know i mean it was a uh Nobody had done that, really, that I know of, and I was trying uh, trying to rig it up, you know. I mean, I tried, tied two hooks on and was trying different baits. I started out just trying to see what bait they would bite the best. Okay. Is all I was trying to do during practice. Well, if you hook two at a time, they would break you off a lot of times if they pulled against each other. So, I mean, figuring out a way to do that, 
I use some bobber stoppers and a swivel. A bobber stopper, your hook just slides through your line, then a swivel, and then your last one. That way, if you hook two at a time, the front hook would actually run up and down your line, and they couldn't pull against each other and break you off. And that that was a little bit of uh, ingenuity over, like, the double fluke rig. You know, that that's the way people rig a double fluke rig, so it can run up and down your line, and it doesn't break you off. So I took that and then applied it to that drop shot, and... You know, as I was trying to figure out which bait they would bite, a lot of times they would bite the higher one up if it was a bigger brush pile, the one that was on top of the brush pile, not the one that was down in the middle or on the bottom. So uh, it it started out as a trial deal just to try to find out what bait they would bite, and it ended up being the, the deal. I could go behind people and catch fish that, that just wasn't attracted or they were used to seeing that one bait come in there and they was not as attracted to it as they were the double drop shot like I was doing. Gotcha. No, so, that hadn't been used again. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't brought it out since, huh? I haven't brought it out again. I still don't understand, Scott. I mean, it's like, okay, so you, you standard drop shot. Got your weight on the bottom, right? That's correct. And then no no, no uh, polymer knot or whatever you're tying to. How, how are you rigging yeah, the, I don't get well, it. Well, the first, the first hook up from the weight, you know, would be like 12 or 14 inches up standard polymer knot up another two feet or so to a or three feet ever how high i wanted my other hook say i wanted one five feet up that was that was a deal figuring out how high up to put one if i wanted one five foot up i would go up another four feet above that hook and tie a swivel all right on my main line i would put a bobber stopper on and then just run the main line through the eye of the hook facing up push the bobber stopper down holding that hook against the swivel gotcha then if you hook the fish he could just push the bobber stopper up and down if you didn't have that bobber stopper your top bait would just slide would stay up there on top of the water or 20 foot up and it wouldn't go down with your weight gotcha oh that makes perfect sense that's something yeah. we got to try dragging for smallies on st Clair. There, yeah it, it'll work you get you two at a time it'll be a lot of fun with those smallies <laughs> hey you brought up the second places not me <laughs> and uh, that's okay. And and I, I was I missed your second place for a long time. <laughs> you, you and Aaron, you, you and Aaron Marcus. <laughs> hey, that's a good company to be involved with if you're in bass fishing for sure. No, no doubt about it, man. Now you're doing really well as far as points right now on the tour, right? What are you? You're you're in second place right now, right? Second place right now. Here's the irony of it: you're in second place right now, Scott, and. I recall watching a video um, that, for lack of a better term, was heart wrenching. Okay, and I think it was. From, <laughs> yeah, I think it. Was, I know where you're going with that one. I think it's from where you're about to go this year. We're going back. You're going back. Is redemption on Skank, Scott Canterbury's brain or what? You know, everybody asks that, and I'm sure it's going to be totally different when we go back. Uh, you know, what's on Scott Canterbury's brain right now is lacrosse. Okay. Get past this one, and then it'll be Potomac, and then I'll be worried about the uh, Forestwood Cup there at Lake Murray. That'll be – I try not to think about that one until the season's over. I mean, pretty – I mean, I've had a great year. I'm on my way to it. But right now we want to think about lacrosse, then Potomac, and then we'll go fish the uh, Lake Murray FLW. And that's a great – that's a great answer. For a professional bass fisherman, fishing in the moment, but you got you cannot tell me that that is not in the, in your noodle there. It's not in your brain somewhere. 
Well, it wasn't until you said something, but I, I mean, I have thought about it a few times in the past, and I mean, this year, and I, I do want redemption there, but I mean, there again, we'll have 45 or 50 of the best anglers in the world you got to be, and this fishing's going to be different, not saying, I mean, you're going to have to figure them out that week. I figured them out, you know, everybody's seen that video of me losing the winning fish and everything. I figured those fish out. At about 11 o'clock, the second day of the tournament, I didn't figure them out here in practice or I would have won the tournament. I weighed in four fish the first day. That was just as bad as losing that True. one. If I'd have had one, one keeper, I'd have won the tournament by a pound and a half. Easy. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's an overlooked point right there because I, I don't remember that, but I certainly remember the loss. Right. I mean, they don't show all that. And who else finished 21st that didn't even make the cut and lost a four pounder that would have put them in twelfth, and they would have. I was in seventeenth, I think, going into day three or something. So, right, right. You know, there's a lot of moments. It's just when you get that close, it hurts a lot more. It, it hurts every day. It'll hurt to day one tomorrow. Somebody could lose one tomorrow that may in, eventually end up costing them this tournament, and nobody's going to see it because it's not at twelve thirty on the final day of the tournament with TV cameras rolling. Yeah, it, it was, dude, it was heart-wrenching. I mean, I'm not going to kid you. I, I mean, it, it really was, was. It was definitely heart-wrenching for me. It's one of those one of those things that happens, and as soon as the, it happened, I knew it was the fish that would have won the tournament. You know, I mean, it took me about a minute or 45 seconds or something to get over it and get back to fishing, but I knew the second that happened in my heart, that was the one that would have won the tournament. Yeah, hey, but you, you, you here you are now. And you and you do and you're doing well, dude. You're doing well. Commendable. I appreciate it. Totally commendable, man. Um, I want to ask you a couple questions about fishing brim beds, okay? Because it it's uh, it's one of my favorite ways to fish. I, I mean, everybody, um, you know, okay, the, the the bass are spawning. That's awesome. But man, you catch some really good ones fishing around them brim beds, and and you're a fan of that, aren't you? I am. I love fishing. If they're big enough to, I mean, if they're eating brim, they're big enough that you need to be targeting them. That's for sure. Now, now the teach me something about fishing brim beds. Teach teach the audience. Teach your fans a little something. You know, about I mean, there there's a uh, there's a lot goes into that fish. You know, on the, on clear water lakes, a lot of that practicing is is just spent covering as much water as you can and looking to see those bass. You don't necessarily want to catch them when you're practicing. You want to see them. You want to see what bass are hanging around what brim bed. And then, you know, I mean, if there's two four-pounders hanging around a brim bed in the back of a pocket, they're there for a reason. They're there because there's food there. You slip in during a tournament and make a longer catch before they see you or spook or anything, and the chances are pretty good that you're going to get a bite off of one of those fish. Whether you catch it or not, it's different. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different techniques we use. I mean, I've got, I love swimming a jig. I mean, I love swimming a jig. That's one thing that I've always done. And, I mean, I like swimming a jig on brim beds. That's one way to get them to bite. The, you know, the topwater deal is probably the most popular, the prop baits. Sure. Or, you know, I like fishing a Canterbury Pro Buzz from Dirty Jigs Tackle with a with a, some sort of plastic on it, you know. And that's the bigger profile plastics that float. It, it just gives off a bigger profile, which is a brim profile, and that buzz bait coming over their head gets a lot of reaction bites, and that's that's my favorite way to fish brim beds is is the buzz bait. If you got to slow down and fish a prop bait, I'll do it, but I'd much rather cover as much water as I can with a buzz bait doing that. Sure, and what are you throwing like a like a horny toad type bait on that? Yeah, buzz I mean, bait you or? know, we came. I came out with a with a bait for 
Bruiser a while back when I was with them, and it was more of a brim profile, had one tail on it, and it was, I mean, it, it's just like a horny toad, but a horny toad has two feet. Well, I came out with one, one single tail in the middle, and it looked more like a brim than a horny toad did. But a horny toad works really good. It's probably the most popular on there. Uh, I've thrown a lot of different baits on it. I mean, I throw a lot of swim baits on it. I throw a bunch of swim baits, a bunch of plastics as far as horny toads or toad-style baits, and then the thrasher, I throw it a lot too still. What's your number one trailer to throw on the back of your swim jig when you're target, targeting uh, the brim bed bass? You know, I mean, my number one trailer is a kicking bee chunk, or it's just a mini kicking bee from NetBay. That's what I use a lot now. Uh, I like a green pumpkin one, and I dip the tip chartreuse just because of those brim. Gotcha. That's my number one trailer if I'm doing that. If not, if I'm not using that, I'm using a pocket chunk most of the time. Okay. And and you're, and you're are you pretty much burning that swim jig when you're fishing the brim beds i know you got to let the you bass know, tell you but. yeah you don't want to you don't want them to get a very very good look at it but you know i don't i don't necessarily burn it i i always throw my swim jig on a six three to one instead of a set instead of a sevens and eights and stuff the high speed reels i use and uh i mean i just fish it just i don't burn it out of there but i do try to get some reaction bites gotcha gotcha do you, you ever do that little it, uh, it's day to day i mean it's day to day if they're super Super aggressive. I mean, then you try to burn it, but if they're not, you sort of swim it a little bit deeper. Gotcha. You ever do that little uh, that little flick, that little tap with the rod tip to make that skirt flare out? That, that's that's the uh, that's how we swim a jig in Alabama. We work it a lot. Yeah, a lot. We of- don't do the. You know, there's so many different ways to swim a jig, and it's gotten so popular. We're popping our rod all the way in. That doesn't work everywhere. It doesn't work as good up in the north as it does in the south, but. Uh, you know, we're popping our rod, keeping slack in the line, making your jig hop as it comes through the water, giving it some action. Uh, in the north, the Tom Monsoor is probably the most popular swim jigger ever. And, you know, he he's that cast and just wind it back in. That's a deal that I really had to work on the past three or four years because I'd never done that. But that catches them really good, too. But, I mean, I like to give my jig some action. Okay, so constantly working it. That's an Alabama constantly thing. Constantly working it. You know, if you get one following it, I'll kill it and let it go down to the bottom, hop it up real hard. A lot of times that'll give them a bite. You just got to figure out what mood the fish are in each day. Yeah, total gear shift here. Is it, uh, is it true that Jay Ellis is a gourmet cook? <laughs> he's far from a gourmet cook. I can get him back in here in a minute. Uh, he's far from a gourmet cook. I he calls me the grill master. I love cooking. I, that's one of my that's one of my other passions. I love cooking and tailgating for football games and cooking all the meat for everybody. So uh, nice. No, he'll he'll let you know he's not the gourmet cook around here. Bring Jay in. Let let him make a special guest in. appearance. Jay, come over. <laughs> Here he comes. Is he eating beef jerky? This Jay? Is he eating it now? Is that what he's doing? No, no, I doubt he's eating. We just got back from eating. He, he shouldn't be eating now. <laughs> we're we actually, uh, we rent a house just about everywhere we go, and we let this one slip up on us, and we're in a motel, separate rooms, but he's coming over. All right. We, we're, next, we're next to each other. We love cameos. We love cameos <laughs> here on this show. Special guest stars, we like to call yeah. them. Yeah, we, we had Luke Duncan pop in uh, on Wesley Strader the other day, and we uh, we sang, oh yeah yeah we sang Freebird together. It was pretty good. That's right. <laughs> they wanted to ask you. They asked me if if you was the gourmet chef. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Ellis. <laughs> That's what I told him. Jay Ellis, right here. Yeah, Where, where's our studio audience for Jay? 
Yeah. That's it. They, they love you, Jay. Hey, good to see you, man. I don't know if you remember. You used to do my Bass Buzz radio show way back. I've done it, yep, a few times. Yep, that was that was you. That was How's you. It going? It's going good, man. It's good to see you. You're looking great, Jay. Hey, Matt. Good to Hi. see you too, Pat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent, man. You got a little more. You got lost a little more hair than you had last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> coming around, you know. I ain't. You may send him back to his room. I get, go to your room, Jay. You've been a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jay Ellis making a special cameo. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, uh, you still sponsored by Bagley? I am. I am. I've really enjoyed working with them. We're uh, we got a great pro staff, and some guys are. Working, we're working with the lure designers right now. Coming out with, hopefully, be coming out really soon with a lot of new lures that are going to be exciting and really interesting into the, you know, into the industry here. And I mean, Bagley lures are classics. Um, probably, I think one of their slogans was "World's most treasured lure" at one time. That, that's right. It, we should have kept Jay in here. He could tell you more about Bagley, the old school Bagley crankbaits than I can. I've got some of the really old ones. The old B-flats and everything that, I mean, it's always been killers. The Killer B-3, the whole Killer series has been great. And Bagley's been around for a long time, and they're going to make a push back now, coming back into it with that, with the uh, end of that balsa market. They can own that. Yeah, I mean, uh, now, who who actually owns Bagley now? Well, I don't, I mean... I deal with Don Holstrand and some guys. And, okay, you know they've got the lure designers. Jarmel Rapala is yes, the lure that's designer. that's what I was. Famous lure designer. He's coming over and he's really helping us out, and we're working together getting some new baits out on the market. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it, uh, it, the Rapala guy is helping design them, right? That's what you're. What he is. Okay, he's working. He, we're working together on some stuff, and he's he knows. How to get what? All we got to do is tell him what action we're trying to get, and he can get it. So, can you get him to hunt? I mean, that's the deal, right? That's the deal. Well, the hunting thing, people don't want so much hunting no more. They want the tracking now instead of the hunting. The old school wiggle warts and all that are still always be a player, but there's a lot of baits now. People want to just track straight, even if you burn it, you know, instead of instead of that hunting. It just depends on what style of bait you're after. If you want it to hunt or not, do you want it to dig and come straight, or do you want it to hunt? It's all about depth that you're trying to reach for those fish. And, and what situation would you prefer a hunting crankbait over one that that pulls true? Uh, I like to hunt in colder water or dirtier water. Okay, uh, more than the you know, if you get cleaner water, I want it to pull true. That hunting, if it's if it's cold or dirty, that hunting action are really it, it you know it gets you more bites. Put it that way. You know if you're if you're in that clear water or you know the fish are really feeding up, it's warm and stuff. You don't necessarily need that hunting action that you do as far as you want a bait to run true and mimic more of a bait fish. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a good question. That hunting action is crawfish <laughs> imitators and stuff like that. Whereas you're you know, you, if they're dead on bait fish, you want to swim in a straight action. Got it. Got a it. Wiggle. That was knowledge right there. Yeah, yeah. That was that I was just, knowledge. Whole bunch you just got to figure out what the fi- what kind of forage the fish are on the strongest. They'll always eat a crawfish or they'll always eat a bait fish. But what are they really feeding on this week is what you got to know. Gotcha. Gotcha. In the moment again, just like you. There you go. Right in there. the moment. Right there. Hey, um, 
I read somewhere that you you fish upwards. Um, or, or let me backtrack. In order to be good at a profession, um, most people put in, let's say, a typical work week is 40 hours, right, for a typical uh, standard American. All right. Okay? And, and, to, and to excel at an occupation, you must put in more hours. Okay. Are, are you with me? I'm with you. How many hours a week do you think you fish, Scott? Uh, on, an, on pretty much an average week, if I fish... Just say if I fish five days. I mean, that's an average week. If I fish five days, I'm going to fish any probably 65 to 70 hours. That's outstanding. <laughs> I mean, I fish three days this week, and I fish probably 15 hours a day. So, are, are you one of five hours already this week? <laughs> you're there. You're on OT, man. You're getting paid. I'm double. on OT now. <laughs> yeah. I need I, to get paid some OT this week. When uh, when I t- I texted with you last night, it was. I mean, it was well past dark here, and you're not too far from us, and you were just getting off the water. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're that guy, right? I, you're that, that guy. That I was the last one out yesterday, but that, that necessarily wasn't uh, by choice. Okay. <laughs> this Mississippi River is a, uh, you know, it's the biggest river in North America, but it also is not the deepest river in North America. <laughs> I was stuck for about 25 or 30 minutes yesterday evening and had to get out and push and it was a uh, it was a bad evening for the last twenty five or thirty minutes of light, but it was it's sometimes that's all worth it. I know where not to go now. Wow, how'd you get out? Oh, I pushed, pushed. You know, you just get out in the water and you, go to pushing and picking up and pushing. And you once I got it off of it was just on a sandbar. It's nothing. Just that current is so strong on the Mississippi River, it moves those sandbars around, pushes the silt around, it changes, and uh, I just got up on a sandbar a little too far. And, Thought I could go across it where I should have backed up, but ended up having to push, you know, 25 yards, 30 yards to get across it. Man, that's pretty normal up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been normal for me this week. <laughs> hey, um, Scott, what do you feel about about tour jumpers? There's a lot of guys from FLW that, that go over to fish the elites. Okay, now, um, I, I mean, every angler, no matter what, what we've been talking about this today already <laughs> okay now i know everybody wants to fish the Bassmaster classic any any young bass fisherman's dream is to someday fish the Bassmaster classic let's take that out of the equation because that's an opportunity anybody would take but what i'm noticing and correct me if i'm wrong or school me here um a lot of guys that maybe jump over to the bass side are not necessarily making as much money as they were on the FLW tour. Um, They're not making as much money off of tournament winnings. Uh, A lot of people think it's more attractive over there. They're more attracted to that bass side. They want to be the, the glitz and glamour. They're just not in it to, to make a living. They're not, I mean, some people are and they go over there and that's great. I hate to see them leave. You know, we've had some great guys. I mean, some great fishermen, uh, you just you can go back and look over the years. I mean, I was good friends with Randall Tharp, and then you got Brent Ayler, and you got Peroznik, Justin Lucas, and Wheeler, and Stetson Blaylock, and that list goes on and on and on. And everybody, I mean, I got buddies. They said, man, it's got to be easier over there to get a check now. If you don't catch the fish, it's not. It matter. Somebody's going to take their place and catch fish. you got to catch fish. I don't care which side you're on. You hate to see those guys leave, 
just because they take their fans with them. The fans that were watching you as well as them, it, they take them with them, and you can't be in two places at once, you know. And, you know, I, you know, not necessarily fish both circuits or both tours at one time. or You know, I'm not – I would love to fish the Classic, and I fish the Opens for that opportunity to go fish the Bassmasters Classic. But I've invested – my investment is in FLW. It's like a family over here. Uh, we've got a lot of good guys. We've got some of, you look at number one in the world, we've got some of the best fishermen in the world. You got Brian Thrift and you got the goat Andy Morgan. You got <laughs> Cody Meyer, Scott Martin, who's won more tournaments than anybody in FLW, I think now. I mean, Mark Rose is the best, one of the best there is, the le- best ledge fisherman in, uh, out there. And he's proved that he can win shallow and win deep. It doesn't really matter. He's just great fisherman. And we've got great guys. We're like a family over here. I mean, Jay Yellis, one of the legends. I've been so blessed to room with him since I started. I mean, we were friends before I started, and just it's been an op- it's been a dream come true for me to do this and to do it with FLW. It's just been what I like doing, and you know, I have no intentions of leaving. Uh, you know, not I do want to fish the classic before. Sure. I retire or whatever happens I, before I'm off the earth. I do want to fish the Bassmaster Classic, and I want to do that pretty bad. But uh, I don't know. You know, there's not an answer for why guys are leaving, and there's not a perfect answer for everybody. There's different answers for each and every one of them, I'm sure. And and was that similar to the conversation that you guys were having earlier? Was it that along the it, lines? It was. I mean, We've talked about it a lot, and, I mean, a lot of those guys, you know, I mean, it's a professional sport. It's a professional organization. FLW is a, I mean, it's just like the the elites. I mean, it's the exact same thing. They're, you know, with the guy, we've had 15 guys of our best guys, I mean, that, we com- that I've competed against, and some of them I grew up watching and been able to compete against them for years, and some of the best fishermen we have, have went over there and they're doing really well over there just like they did over here and so i mean what it's done is made their field probably a little bit lean to that stiffer side maybe the top top you know if you went ahead and said the top 60 guys against the top 60 guys if you did top 10 on top 10 it's even playing field it don't matter what i don't think but if you say top 60 against top 60 theirs is probably a little bit stronger right now uh maybe it'll teeter back this way you know it's just uh, it's went back and forth both ways over the years, and I've seen it do it. The uh, the guys that want to be over there have have all different reasons. Some of them didn't enjoy fishing a professional tournament with a co angler in the boat. Some of them didn't enjoy that. Right. You know, I mean, some of us, some guys really like having co anglers. Somebody to talk to. But they have a marshal. That's somebody to talk to. But uh, those co anglers are out here to learn and. You know, it just depends. I mean, we never know. FLW may go that way one day. Nobody knows. Right. And I think that someday there should be a big, like, you know, like, if you ever read comic books as a kid, you know, you got, like, Marvel Comics and DC Comics. You should have a big Clash of the Titans, you know, like, FLW versus BASS. That would be outstanding draw. It would bring millions of dollars in revenue to the bass fishing industry. It definitely would. You know, I mean, I think it was... uh ultimate match fishing did that for a while you know but that was before a bunch of our guys left and 
I think it was called Beat the Elites is what all the FLW guys called it. <laughs> nice. And it worked out that way pretty much. We we call it the Stray Cast Clash of the Titans. And I, I'm working on I'm we looking can, for funding. We can do that. I'm looking for funding We need to right get now. that tournament up. I'd, I'd be all in for that tournament. <laughs> hey, man, um, anything going on here, JP, uh, for, for uh, from Scott's fans on the Facebook Live? Uh, we got some questions about when you were on, uh, what was that show, Circuit Breaker? Circuit Breaker. Yeah. They want to know how many fish you caught before you locked through on Toho. <laughs> I caught uh I had a limit. I, well, one day <laughs> that everybody was there watching me catch them. I didn't catch but two because everybody got in front of me and started catching them. <laughs> I should have waited till everybody locked because nobody had intentions of locking it. I mean, nobody had intentions of fishing until I went to catching them. And then everybody cut in front of me, so I went ahead and locked down. I had a little, it was a little spot that was loaded there that year. I ended up losing that tournament by 11 ounces to JT Kenny, who was a teammate of mine at that time. And, and uh, you know, I had a spot there that I could usually catch a lemon on, catch pretty good bag. Then I'd lock through, and I always got my bigger fish down there. So I went ahead and went after I got those two the day I was on that circuit breaker. <laughs> we got uh, Lopez Fishing is wondering, when the fishing gets tough, what's the one bait you reach for that you know you'll get a bite? You know, it depends on what kind of forage. I mean, I've got to where I love cranking. I used to never crank, ever. When I went professional, I probably had three Plano boxes of crankbaits, and that included all sizes. Now I've got four of just the shallow runners. So I like fishing, you know, crankbaits a lot, but it's going to go back to my my roots and how I grew up fishing. If I had one bait and one bait only, it would be a probably a half-ounce jig. And that's just because it's so versatile of a lure. You can swim it. You can fish it on the bottom. You can cast it out deep. You can, I mean, there's so many different things you can do with a jig, and that's the way, and you can flip. I mean, that's my go-to deal is to put a jig in my hand and go cover water, get in the thickest cover I can find, and just fish. World's most versatile lure, the jig. Yeah, we it asked, is. We asked that question a, dirty a lot, jig. and that's like the number one. Answer. Everybody throws a jig. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, it's, and, and again, it, I think it's one of those unintimidating lures to the bass is why they are so, um, they don't get conditioned by it. Yeah, how come they're not? It is. It, it definitely is. I mean, you know, and it, it's all about matching, you know, colors of the skirt. You can change all that. You, you can change a jig so much just by changing the chunk you put on it. You can change it by the color of the skirt, just adding a little bit of dye here and there. There's so many different things you can do with a jig. It's just so versatile, and it's, I mean, uh, there's a lot of baits that are versatile, but they don't produce like a jig does. Time and time again. Time and time again. Scott, uh... Get yourself a Canterbury flipping jig from Dirty Jigs Tackle would be the number one versatile bait. There it is. (laughs) DirtyJigsTackle.com. Is that what you're trying to say? That is. A Scott Canterbury flipping jig. (laughs) Say it one more time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to say it a lot more times. Scott Canterbury flipping jig from DirtyJigsTackle.com. There it is. Hey, um, any, any, we're, I'm getting the cue here. We're almost out of time, Scott. Any, uh, any final words for your fans or your, uh, are, 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 are your sponsors you know, I mean, anything? It's everything. I mean, I'm sure my family's watching and be seeing them. I got a couple things to do next week, and I'll be home. But my fans, it's, it's. I'm so humbled and honored that they want to be my fans. It's pretty amazing to me. I appreciate everything, all the support they all give me. And, you know, it's an old cliche. Everybody says we couldn't do it without our sponsors. But really and truly, I couldn't be out here without the sponsors I have and the support they give me. Everybody, 
that that's ever helped me for sure. Couldn't be out here without them. Awesome, and best of luck to you on lacrosse and the upcoming derbies, and and of course, redemption on Lake Marine. We'll see redemption. you. We'll be there doing. We're, we're gonna we'll call it the redemption story after after it's over. Hopefully, the redemption song. We'll we'll see you there. We'll be there at the, right. at the cup. Sounds man. good. I enjoyed it. Appreciate your opportunity. Oh. Appreciate y'all getting with me. Oh, and, and thank you so much for the support. We truly appreciate it, man. No problem. Anytime. All right. Knock them out tomorrow. That's Scott Canterbury, FLW Tour Pro, coming at us live from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Hey, put the power poles down. Don't go nowhere because when we get back, it's a special guest star uh, coming to us from the swamps of Jersey. Who could this be? Who could this be from the swamps of Jersey coming at us live? Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Dance. No, just kidding. This is Pat. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Straycast on iTunes and leave a review. Tell us what you think. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Peace!